welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. In the last couple of weeks, as I've been praying, I've been getting this picture. I've been seeing the walls of this building covered in people's stories. People with texters going up and writing their stories all over, not tagging the walls, writing their stories of what God is doing in their lives, the breakthroughs, the healings, the reconciliation, the restoration, the redemption that's taking place, writing on the walls all of the stories of what God is doing in them. And this place being a, 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 a container, a place of story, of testimony, where we come and we remember how good God is and the walls are covered with the stories of God's people being transformed by the power of God. So what's your story? What's God doing in your world that you can add to the wall? And uh, I don't know if we can get permission. Where's Vanessa? No, we probably, probably won't actually write on the walls, but that would be pretty good fun. But um, I just keep getting this sense. God is doing stuff. And are we, are we going to perceive it? Are we going to watch? Are we going to be part of it? And are we going to allow him to, to write the story, the, the, the word that he's doing in our lives as part of that? It's great to be here. I've just come off two weeks holiday. I feel refreshed. And uh, do I look refreshed? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glowing. I'll take that. wasn't going for that look, but... <laughs> But anyway, we're starting off a new series, as you can see there, Why Church? Why did you come here this morning? Did you think about it when you were coming? Did you, did you think about why am I actually getting up this morning to go to church? Do you think about what the church is? So we're going to have a series, and I think it goes for maybe six or seven weeks, where we're going to explore different aspects of the church and ask the question, Why church? We had this kind of break from gathering together in, in person during the COVID lockdown. And during that time, we, we kind of started to ask some questions. I, I, I know a lot of us in this room have probably had you know, those questions come up of what, what's really important to the, the, the church? It helps us to kind of clarify and redefine and look at what is really important to us as a church. So uh, I heard about this guy, right? He went to a hotel in uh, Japan. And as he's over in this hotel in Japan, he's, he's, you know, he's in the bathroom and he finds this back scratcher. And he, he picks up this back scratcher and he goes, man, I've got a really itchy back. And so he uses the back scratcher. And um, he finds that this is like the greatest back scratcher he's ever used in his whole life. And so he starts to use it every day that he's in the hotel. And um, he uses it in the shower. He, he even uses it, you know, when he's not in the shower, he just uses it to scratch his back. And he's like, this is the greatest back scratcher I have ever, ever found in my whole life. And then as he's leaving, he thinks, you know what? I could make some money out of this, these Japanese back scratches, if I got these back to um, Australia and I, I kind of pr produced them and then sold them. You know, people would love how good this back scratcher is. And so he puts it in his suitcase and hides it. And he's going to take it back to Australia and get the patent for it and produce it and sell these back scratches. 
So he's sneaking down. He, he goes down to check out of the reception. And uh, the reception just says, oh, just, you know, can you just wait a minute while they go and check the room? Check if you've used anything from the mini bar." And um, he goes, yeah, no worries. A little bit nervous that they're going to find the, the super back scratcher is missing. Anyway, a couple of minutes go past. They get a call from the, the people in the room, checking the room, and say, oh, yeah, there's some stuff missing from the room. He goes, oh, no, I'm in trouble. And they, he goes, well, what is it? What, what are they saying that's missing? And the lady looks at him and says, someone's taken the toilet brush. If we don't understand the purpose for something, we make our own purpose for it. If we don't understand the intention of an invention, then we, we, we often will use it in a way that it was never designed to be used, like the back scratcher. So, so as we enter into this conversation about the church... Maybe we need to re, re, rethink and, and relook at what we have made church to be that potentially it wasn't designed to be. Why church? I'm going to ask some, just ask that question this morning. We're going to do a uh, little Garfield Thompson exercise here. And I'm actually looking forward, Garfield is going to be preaching in this series in just a couple of weeks. Looking forward to that. But I'm going to ask you the question this morning, why church. What is the purpose of church? I'm going to use the green so everyone feels good about their answers. And please don't be offended if I spell it wrong. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm a pastor. Why church? Yell out. Praise. Fellowship. What was that? <laughs> Laugh. I'm going to put that really big. Scott's jokes. Who else was over here? Growth. Did I hear community? Who's that? Community. God's word. Worship. I was going to say there's no wrong answer, but there probably is. But hopefully you guys won't have the wrong answer. Did someone say prayer? Roller skating? Where's my red texter? I'm, I'm moving towards Amber. Um, prayer. Did someone say prayer? Prayer. Awesome. All right, I think we've got our series covered here. Who said coffee? <laughs> not quite, but kinda. That's the not quite, but kinda section. Did someone say healing? Healing, yes. Testimony. Am I spelling these right, Alison? Look good. Body ministry. C 
Good. You guys are really good at this. Encouragement. It was a very encouraging voice too. One of them talents. That was his son that said that. Missions. Love. Refreshing. Charity. Awesome. Are you starting to think, even if you haven't called something out, I hope you're starting to think, why church? What are we here for? What is the church here for? What, what, what's the design? What's the intention of the church? And hopefully over the weeks to come, we can kind of flesh out and, and um, break out some of these, these, these things here. Worship, we're actually looking at one of our services of, I don't know if you've ever heard of still worship coming to lead a, a whole service of worship where we'll kind of have a flow and teaching on why we get together, what corporate worship is about, why, why we sing songs, what's, what's the power in that, what's the purpose of that. But um, this morning, I kind of want to outline this whole series and the thought around why church. But thank you for all of your answers. I was going to bring Freddo's, but I thought it might be um, un-COVID safe if I throw things. might also not be too occupational health and safety safe either. Or healthy, exactly. Oh, you did you, Mike? Nice. There's, apparently there's Freddo's out on the bench if you, if you want one, if you answered that correctly. Oh, Liam did it. Oh, that's good. So he, I just want to open up this morning with just these thoughts around why church, and particularly with the thought around Jesus in the church. So here's the first thing. Jesus designs the church. Jesus designs the church. Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 17 to 19. Jesus replied, this is uh, a, a dialogue with some of his disciples. He says, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn from this. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my, whose church? I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let me read that again. All the powers of hell, all of the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Here's what's happening here. Jesus is with his disciples. They have this encounter. Uh, Peter has this revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus turns to him and said, because of that, I, I give you this name. I tell you who you are. And it's upon this rock of revelation of the Christ, the Messiah, that I will build my church. It wasn't that Peter came up to Jesus and said, hey, we've got a great idea. What's happening here? We should kind of try and duplicate, duplicate that in different places. What, what we're seeing here, we should try and plant this out somewhere else. What we're seeing here, all these things taking place, we should try and collect all of the people that are uh, coming to know you, Jesus, and put them together. It was Jesus' intention to build his church. It originated with Jesus. So I reckon if it started with him, then he probably knows the purpose and the point of it. 
Jesus designs his church. He has the design for his church. It is his church. He says, I will build my church. Jesus will build his church. It was his idea. This is not about us coming to Jesus and saying, hey, we've got a great idea. This thing called church. How about we get together together? You know, we have services, we meet in different houses, we break bread together, we fellowship, we worship, we encourage, we do mission. How about we do this, Jesus? It's no, no. Jesus says to his disciples, this is my plan. This is my plan. I have this intention to, to gather together the body. That word there, church, is the word ecclesia. Do we have that slide there, Lockie? Oh, I'll put that in small font. Ecclesia, which is a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly, an assembly of the people convened at the public place of council for the purpose of deliberating. At that time, it was an actual thing, the Ecclesia, when they would pull together assembly of of different people groups into one place, coming together being called out of their homes or being called out of their places of, of, of ministry or work and being called into the one space together. Now, in this building, we have many different community groups that use our, uh, that, that use our building. And one of the groups is the South Sudanese community group. And uh, they do like a cultural kind of dinner and, and dance at times in here. Now, imagine if the president of the South Sudanese community put a call out to all of the South Sudanese in the community and said, hey, we're going to get together to gather together. That's the, that's the picture of what was taking place with the ecclesia, is that the call went out to all those that, that were in that space that fit that description, and they all came together. It was an assembling of people. He didn't, his word wasn't a building He didn't say, let's just get a building, let's get some land. He said, I will build my church. I will bring people, those who follow me together, to be one, to be the church. In the Christian sense, an assembling of Christians gathered for worship in religious meetings. Those who anywhere in a city village constitute such a company are united into a body, the whole body of Christians scattered throughout the earth. That's an important one because it's not just about grace life. It's not just about the church in Perth. It's about the church globally all throughout this, this world. And the assembly of faithful Christians already dead and received into heaven. The ecclesia, Jesus says, I will build my church. He designs it. Now we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to read from verse 19. I want to kind of lay a bit of foundation so we can see and understand the, the church and its design. Verse 19, it says, I, I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. I could just preach that. I also, I, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority in or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Isn't that good? He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Last week, Bobby preached about the kingdom. 
Can we put that slide with the kingdom there, Lockie? And we've just read there that Christ was raised and seated in heavenly places above all other, above everything else. Christ is the king of the kingdom. Christ has been, has been risen to, to the kingdom of God. And the church finds itself in the kingdom of God. The church finds fullness within the kingdom of God, but the church doesn't exist outside of the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God speaks of God's domain, His dominion over all things, all the heavens and the earth, over all living creatures, the dominion, the kingdom of God over all of humanity. And then within the kingdom is this thing called the church. Jesus has been seated in heavenly places, reigning in the kingdom. And then on in, in verse, uh, verse 22, it says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head of the church over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere. So I want to make you know, this kind of clear that the church finds its existence, its place within the kingdom of God. Its fullness is in the kingdom of God. It cannot be detached from the kingdom of God. But it is the humanifestation of God's kingdom. That's a word I made up. It's, it's the manifestation of God's kingdom through his body, the church. And so the church is found in the kingdom. but The kingdom is not contained to the church. And I think that's important for us to understand. But then he goes on to say, and Christ has been made the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Who is the head? Jesus. There is no man. There is no religious leader. There is no pope. There is no, no person who is the head of the church apart from Jesus. Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the leader. He is the chief shepherd. He is the one who designs his church. We move forward in Ephesians chapter 4. And then we start to see that Jesus is, is designing the, the structure and the flow of the church. In the same book, Paul writes about this and he says, uh, Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he may f might fill the entire universe with him. Christ is that. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So then we see that next slide, Lockie, where Jesus at the head appoints different ministry gifts. Next one. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. Jesus, the way that he designs, the way that he implements governance or um, kind of structure, leadership structure within the church is said there in Ephesians 4. This is what the Bible teaches us, 
that the fivefold ministry is, is responsible for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus' design is to move through those ministry giftings to build up the body. This is not a human thing that we've made up. This is not a, uh, you know, what's working best in the, in the corporate world. This is Jesus' method and design for the church is that the fivefold ministry would be flowing and the fivefold ministry would be, would be equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. From this point, the, we, we see then that there is localized uh, governance and localized care of different local churches, which moves into deacons, elders, pastors, two of those words being the same um, as you read through. That different people are, are given uh, the responsibility of helping to shepherd, to guide, to guard, to care for, to raise up, to, to, to love the flock, the, the group, the, the localized church. And all through the scriptures, we see that this pattern of God designing and God doing things the way that he wants to do things and bringing it the best way. That Christ is the head of the church. And so we look to him when we ask the question, why church? Because he'll have the answers. And he sets up his church in the way that he sets it up. And it's not for a hierarchy. Can I say that? It's, it's important that we know. It's not about Jesus trying to build some sort of um, elite hierarchy. Those who are called to, to lead within the community, if you ever look through the, through the New Testament and you see someone being um, called or appointed, you'll see that the responsibility after is, is talked to them or, or uh, shown to them that they must be there to care for the flock. They're there to empower, to encourage, to uplift, to build up, not to use the, the, their leadership gift as some sort of self-exaltation because it comes back to that thought that Jesus is the head of the church. So he designed it. It's his intention. So when we have issues with it, guess who we take it up with? I say that right from the start. <laughs> Jesus is the head of the church. So he designs his church, but then we see that Jesus also defines his church. Jesus designs his church, but Jesus also defines his church. Guess who gets to say what the church is and what the church looks like? Not me. I'm putting my hand down. It's Jesus. He is the one who gives definition to the church. And so as we, uh, you know, as we go along in life, I think that, you know, at times it can be easy to just get stuck in, the, in, in the, the motions of doing things just because we've always done them or even picking up things that, that aren't necessarily what God designed for the church and we've adopted them and then they've become part of, of what we do. And I'm not just talking about here at Grace Life. I'm talking about, you know, nationally, internationally. That, that we can make the church about something that it was never designed to, to be made about. That we start to bring our definition to the church. Well, the church should do this, or the church should be this, or the church you know, should look like that. But it's really, really important for us, particularly as we start a series like this, to, to understand that it's Jesus that gets to define what the church looks like. And so when we want to come back to what, what His intention is, I reckon we should look at what he says is important because he will tell us what, what he wants to happen in his church. He will show us, he will tell us, he will lead us to know what it is that he wants to define the church. 
Now, if you ask questions of people just walking past right now and you ask them, what is the church? How many people you know are going to have a lot of different answers? And the answers that, that people have outside of the building are probably going to be quite different to the answers that we had this morning. Everyone's trying to define what the church is and give definition to it and make, you know, well, it should be this, it is this, it is this. But we've got to come back to what Jesus says the church is. One of the things that, that is so important is that the church should look like Jesus. If, it is, if he's the head and we are the body, then we should reflect him. The church should look like him. When people see not the building, not the Sunday service, but when people see Joe, the desire is that they would see Jesus in Joe. Because the church should reflect Jesus. So what does Jesus look like? He looks like love. He looks like compassion. He looks like grace. What, what, what does Jesus look like? It's his life that defines what the church looks like. We don't get to say, you know what? We think it's about time we did this. And we, we, we think that the church needs to go down this direction. The church needs to... Uh, it's got to come from him. And it's got to look like him. The church is defined by Jesus. He defines the church. And here's the, the, the last kind of thought with that. Jesus desires the church. You know, as, I've been, as I've been praying and, and really praying into this series and thinking, you know, it can be really easy to become critical, cynical of the church. But do you know Jesus loves his church? The same book in Ephesians chapter 5 Paul's speaking to, you know, spirit-led relationships, and he says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of of the church. Take that out of context. You could use that out of context. But in the context of what we're saying today, Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, he loves his church. And so, wives, you should submit, submit to your husbands in everything. In everything. Let me just read that bit again. So, <laughs> no. Verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Yeah. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of, his, of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Jesus loves his church. Jesus desires his church. He loves you. He loves us. And I know it can be, you know, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool plan, right? Get, get a whole group of people who are so different to one another, who have all different backgrounds, in this room come from all different nations 
put them together in a community and say, hey, I'm going to get you guys to work together, to grow together, to journey through life together. Oh, that sounds like bliss. And then you start doing it. And then, you know, things, did I just twitch? I think I twitched. You start doing it and you see that, that, that church is not perfect because there are people here. I was going to plant a perfect church with no one. And wherever people are, there's going to be imperfection. There's going to be mess. There's going to be you know, us grinding each other's gears. There's going to be uh, us frustrating each other, not, not getting along. There's going to be opportunities for us to get offended. There's going to be opportunities for us to, to get angry at people, to, to, to be sad and, and to be, you know, there, there are opportunities for us to become critical of one another. There are opportunities for us to, to you know, wipe each other off, like to, to say, I'm, I'm done with that person. How good is this plan? Wow. What a great idea. And he loves it. He loves his church. And I feel like you know, God wants to restore in our hearts a love for his church. I ask you the question today, where is your heart for the church? And I'm not just talking again as of the local fellowship here at Grace Life. I'm talking about the global church. Where is your heart towards the church? What about this? Where is your heart towards our brothers and sisters in different nations who right now are under persecution, who you know, we couldn't meet together for a couple of months, who they're literally trying to meet together in caves? Where is your heart towards the church? What about this? Where is your heart towards your old church? the church you once were at? How is your heart towards those brothers and sisters that you're no longer in fellowship with? Heard a story about a guy who, who he got shipwrecked. He was uh, yeah, out on a ship, he got shipwrecked, and he ended up washing up onto a deserted island. And he was on this island for like 10 years, quite a resourceful guy. Um, he, he, you know, he made whatever he needed to make to get through. And uh, eventually, he's popping up smoke signals, trying to get some attention 10 years later. And uh, this, this little pilot, uh, not a little pilot, a pilot in a little plane, maybe he was a little pilot too, adds to the story. He sees the smoke signals and so he goes down and lands to go and check what's happening and he sees this guy and this guy looks like a bit of a savage by now, 10 years, hasn't had a shave. Uh, and he, he, he comes over to him. The guy's so excited to see this guy. And uh, he, he says to him, man, oh, thank you for, for stopping. Thank you. I've been trying for 10 years to get someone's attention. No one's come. And then you came. And, then, and so he, he, they're talking and he's asking him what he's been doing for the last 10 years. And he goes, well, I've kept myself busy, got myself a job. <laughs> I've become a builder. And so he goes down and he shows him all these places that he's built. And, and particularly he shows him these three big buildings that he's built out of rocks and sticks. It's a story. I don't know what he I wasn't there. He's built these, these three buildings. And he goes, wow, these buildings are incredible. And the guy says to him, what, what are the buildings? And he goes, well, the first building, that's my house. That's where I live. Built that one first. And he goes, what's the next one? And he goes, that's my church. That's where I go on a Sunday. I'll go in there, just spend some quiet time with the Lord. 
sing some songs of worship. And he goes, well, what's the, next, what's the other one? He goes, that's the church I used to go to. Probably didn't go down as well as it did in my imagination. I say that to say this. How is your heart towards the church, to God's church? He desires, he loves his church. I understand God moves us into different directions, different places at times. Not saying that's not not a right thing. But how is our heart towards those that we have left? Do you love? Have you restored? Do you pray for? Do you bless? Do you honor? How is your heart towards this local church? Do we pray for one another? Do we love one another? Are we committed to one another? Jesus loves his church. And we see the concept throughout Scripture of the relationship that God desires with his people, being connected to that of a covenant in marriage where he pursues his people. And at times he calls them adulterous because they've gone different ways. They've found different gods to follow. And he calls them back and he gives them another opportunity. And then we see in the New Testament this this idea of the body of Christ being the bride of Christ, where where Jesus is coming back for his bride, where he's coming back for, for the love of his church, to be with his church. He desires relationship with us. He desires his church. But you know what? He doesn't just desire us to stay as we are. If we go back to Ephesians 4, we see that the gifts of the ministry gifts are given to the church so that we are equipped for ministry and so that we will grow in maturity, so that we will mature, which is the beautiful benefit of community. And all the messiness of it is that it gives us the opportunity to mature to grow, to go back to Jesus. So how is your heart for the church? As we start to kind of break apart some, some, some ideas, maybe even touch on some of those kind of sacred cows, is that the right saying? If it wasn't, it makes sense to me. Touch on sacred cows, uh, maybe some you know, religious thinking that we start to kind of knock around a bit. How is your heart towards the church? Let's do it with the right spirit. Not because we want to be critical, not because we want to condemn, but because we want to know the truth and we want to live in God's design and intention for the church. Can we do this you know, just, just before we uh, finish up? I wonder if we could just kind of close your eyes. Just make some space to, to engage personally with God, just to connect with God's Spirit. And just to think, you know, think of a time where you appreciated the church. Just a moment, maybe it's something that happened, maybe it's, you know, someone brought you a meal when you were sick, maybe it was someone prayed for you, maybe it was um, you were in a service sometime, God spoke to you. But just to take a moment to, to think of a, of a time when, when you really appreciated God's church. When you were impacted, when something happened.
if you think of that moment, or maybe there's multiple moments, you know, God loves you. He loves His church. And the fact that He wants us to love His church as well, to appreciate Him. Can I encourage us to to take that disposition? What, What God has shown you even today, the moment, the moments, the encounter, the encouragement, and to thank Him for that. To thank Him that He has put you in a community. To thank Him that He has used everything that's happened in your life to bring you to that point. To thank Him that He he cares for you so much that He'd surround you with people, with the same Father, serving the same God, who would encourage you and uplift you and bless you. And thank Him for His design of the church. Can we grow that gratitude towards God's church? Jesus, we thank you that it is your design, it is by your intention that you've called us together. And there's not one person in this room that that stumbled in here by accident. If we were to kind of look at what it would take for every person in this room to for their lives to intersect into this moment, the countless amount of opportunities it is not possible apart from your intention and your leading. And so we gather not mindlessly, but with the purpose of worshiping you, glorifying you. And I pray that you would help us to have a heart for your body, to have a heart for the church, to love the church as you love the church, Jesus, and to love you for the church. God, would you help us to let go of um, you know, the, the negativity, even some of the things that we would hold against our brothers and sisters. Would you help us with those, those things, God, that we may bless your church, that we may be thankful for your church, that we may love your church just as you do. Would you give us your heart for your church? Lord, and even as we, we, you know, we, we start to look at different things that you've called us to, I pray you'd give us that spirit that we would do so with curiosity, that we would, we would do so seeking truth, not seeking to um, elevate ourselves, to think we've got it all right, but with humility to, to seek what you are wanting for your church in this time, in this nation, in this place, in Ellenbrook. We thank you, God. We honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.